Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Spirit of Prophecy podcast, continuing our discussion on Daniel's 70th week. And again, send me any questions that you might have, and we will deal with those live tomorrow at noon. It will only be live on the YouTube channel. It will be released later in podcast form, just the audio. But if you want to join me live, make sure you uh, check out the YouTube channel, subscribe to it, and we will go live at noon central time. So send in those questions to the spirit of prophecy 1611 at gmail.com, or you can leave them in the comments and hopefully I'll find it there and we will discuss those things. And you can even ask some questions live tomorrow. Um, I don't know how big of a live audience we'll have, but uh, be ready. And uh, I'd prefer if you did it before so I can be more prepared. Uh, Sometimes I'm good at thinking on the fly, but sometimes not so much. But either way, what I want to talk about today, I do want to talk about the results of uh, what happens when you recognize that Daniel's 70th week has already been fulfilled. Often uh, it scares people to admit something like that because they're, they start thinking, well, what is this going to change? Well, the reality is if you're a, if you're a pre-wrath believer and if you do not believe that you know the Jews of today are God's chosen people, then it really doesn't change much. It really doesn't. In reality, um, it will probably it will cause you to change some of your terminology, which is probably good. Um, you know, you'll have to admit, you know, that you uh, were influenced by Lark and Still. You know, when you're talking about Daniel's seventieth week, that you were using his terminology that just doesn't make sense and that is misleading. It's very misleading and it causes a lot of confusion. And, you know, and it's okay. If you are from a Baptist background, you got to understand the Baptist has been majorly infected by the leaven of dispensationalism. And a lot, it's hard to get all that stuff out of your system, but just always be improving, always be getting better. Okay. It really doesn't, to me, understanding this strengthens this position. It greatly strengthens the pre-wrath position and the teaching that we are God's people. It strengthens it greatly. And so, um, if, if, yeah, if you believe that way, you really don't have anything to worry about, okay? If, and if you're going to get upset about what I'm teaching, it's probably just because you're carrying water for somebody and you don't even know why you're mad. They just told you you're supposed to be mad. But either way, um, you know, so it doesn't really change much for you. Now, if you are somebody who is pre-trib, if you are somebody who is pro-Israel, then yes, it changes a lot of things. It is, it is huge. Uh, I guess the other thing, too, if you're a, a pre-wrath person, too, you know, you have to admit you, were, you made a messianic prophecy about the Antichrist. But just, just blame Larkin. Just admit I didn't have all Larkin out of my system. Just, just admit it, okay? It's very liberating to be able to admit you are wrong about something. It's very liberating. And the burden of trying to just continue to defend yourself when you're wrong is not a burden that is worth carrying. So just get over it and just admit, yeah, man, I, I got duped on that, but, you know, I got it right now. And I I know it's hard, especially for pastors. Uh, pastors uh, often struggle with pride and narcissism and all that kind of stuff, but it's very liberating to just admit when you're wrong. So, uh, but recognizing this, it does prove that God is done with national Israel. Okay, he, he, national Israel's gone. 
It is gone. It was destroyed. And it is gone. And it did not come back in 1948. And we're going to show you that here in a little bit. Another thing it shows too, it shows we need to be careful about putting Old Testament prophecy about Israel in the future. We got to watch out for that. Luke 21, 20 says, And when ye shall see Jerusalem compassed about with army, compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. Okay, that happened. That happened on that generation. Then let them which are in Judea flee into the mountains, and let them which are in the midst of it depart out, and let not them that are in other countries enter thereinto. And historically, we can see this even in Josephus and in other uh, early church writings, all the Christians got that message, and when they started seeing all these things, they got out of Jerusalem, and no Christians died in that siege in Jerusalem, but over a million Jews died. You know why? Because they fled to Judea. They fled to the mountains. For these be the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. And a preterist will try to take that and act like all prophecies were fulfilled by 70 AD. But no, it's it's referring to the subject that Jesus is dealing with. The disciples had asked him about his coming, but they also asked about the destruction of Jerusalem because Jesus said there wouldn't be one stone left upon another. And so he's referring to the desolations of Jerusalem. He's referring to the 70 weeks of Daniel's prophecy. All those things were about Israel. He's referring to prophecies about Israel, not prophecies about the judging of all nations, not about the, uh, he's not uh, things concerning the church and that. No, the things about national Israel. That's what the subject is about. And he's saying that those days, these that were these days that were coming for them, these were the days of vengeance, that all things which were writ may be fulfilled. But woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days, for there shall be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people. He's talking to Israel. There's gonna be wrath on them, and they shall fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. So are we going to try to put that being gathered into all nations or taken captive into all nations? Are we going to try to make that all within a seven-year period? Is that what we're going to do? And he's saying it's they're going to stay that it's going to stay that way until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Well, you know, what is that? How long does that last? How long does the time of the Gentiles last. Well, here's the thing. It's still being trodden down of Gentiles today. Jerusalem is completely trodden down of Gentiles. It is still that way. I was just there last year, and you better believe it's being trodden down of Gentiles. It's going to be that way until, verse 25, there should be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, Men's hearts failing them for fear and looking after those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And then shall they see the son of man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass and look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. And I believe what he, the signs in the sun and moon is the sun being darkened and moon turned to blood. And that's exactly what we see in Matthew chapter 24. And then Jesus is going to come back. Jerusalem will be trodden down of Gentiles until Jesus comes back. That's how it's going to be. And and so understand 
uh, what Luke 21 is talking about, it's been fulfilled. It's done. And you know what? We're not looking for a change. We're not watching Israel to see what happens to figure out what's going to take place before the Lord comes. No, it's already taken place. Those things have already have already taken place. Okay? We're not looking for anything with Israel. But we are looking for things. I am looking for things with a man of sin being revealed, the son of perdition. You know, I, I believe those kind of things are going to happen. But as far as those things concerning Israel, those have already happened. And so what people are missing and what they uh, need to get a hold of, and I, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this, but I do think it briefly needs to be covered. In Acts chapter 28, people fail to see the conclusion of the historical books of the Bible. And Acts 28, it is. It's a historical book. It's showing us what, what happened in Israel. I'm not going to repeat a lot of the stuff from yesterday, but a revival did happen in Israel. Thousands of Jews were saved, but the nation did not get saved. The nation overall rejected. And Paul, he had decided towards the end of the book of Acts that he wanted to go back to Jerusalem. He wanted to get his people saved. After he wrote Romans, the book of Romans, chapter 9, 10, and 11, after that, because of that continual sorrow he had, he wanted to go back to Jerusalem and try one more time to get him saved. And guess what? It didn't work. They didn't get saved. He got put in prison. He stood before all these uh, different different trials. They finally passed him off to Rome. When he gets to Rome, Paul calls the Jews because everywhere he goes, he just he loved his people. He wanted to get the Jews together. And it says in Acts twenty eight seventeen, and it came to pass after three days, Paul called the chief of the Jews together. And when they were come together, he said unto them, Men and brethren, though I have committed nothing against the people or customs of our fathers, yet was I delivered prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, who, when they had examined me, would have let me go, because there was no cause of death in me. But when the Jews spake against it, I was constrained to appeal unto Caesar, not that I had aught to accuse my nation of. He's like, I wasn't trying to get Israel in trouble. For this cause... Have I called for you to see you and to speak with you because that for the hope of Israel, I am bound with this chain. Paul never preached anything against Judaism, against biblical Judaism, against the law. Everything Paul preached lined up with scripture. It was the Christ rejecting Jews who disobeyed the law, who disobeyed Moses. So what Paul's saying, everything I'm teaching goes with our faith. But and you, but you all need to realize the Messiah came. The hope of Israel came. And I'm being persecuted because of it. And he's wanting them to uh, hear him and believe him. And so it says, and they said unto him, we neither receive letters out of Judea concerning thee, neither any of the brethren that came showed or spake any harm of thee. So these rulers in uh, of the Jews in Rome, they didn't know anything about Paul. Word hadn't got to them, but it says, but we desire to hear of thee, of what thou thinkest. For as concerning this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. What people don't realize that the Christians, the Christians were originally just considered another sect of Judaism. You know why? Because Christians... Christianity is the true Judaism. It's Judaism that accepted their Messiah. It's the Judaism that accepted the new covenant that, that believed God. 
while the Judaism, the rest of Jews, it's a false Judaism. It's an apostatized Judaism. It's a Judaism that rejected their Messiah. So everybody wants to make the church like it's this new thing. No, the Jews who accepted the Messiah continued in their faith, while the ones who rejected the Messiah departed from the faith. So that's, that's the reality of it. But these Jews are saying, hey, we've been hearing about this sect, and everybody speaks against it. And it says, and when they had appointed him a day, there came many to him to, into his lodging, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets from morning till evening. He preached Jesus. Eat that, dispensationalist. He preached Jesus from the law and the prophets. And some believe the things which were spoken, and some believe not. And when they agreed not among themselves, they departed. After that, Paul had spoken one word, well spake the Holy Ghost by Isaiah the prophet unto our fathers, saying, Go unto this people and say, Hearing ye shall hear and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see and not perceive. For the heart of this people is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. Be it known therefore unto you that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles, and they will hear it. And watch this. This is the end of the book of Acts. And when he had said these words, the Jews departed and had great reasoning among themselves. And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him. Notice that these chief Jews, when they heard it, most of them did not believe. Turns out, this is what Isaiah prophesied. He prophesied, It was prophesied that national Israel would reject. And of course, there was a remnant. Even with some of the, there were some here that believed, but overall they rejected. Overall, Paul's attempt, his desire to save national Israel failed. It failed. Now he got the remnant, but Acts concludes that Israel didn't get saved. But the Gentiles would. And we are, we are still in that era, in that time, but understand, it was only a few years after that that the Jewish-Roman War began and then Israel was destroyed and God was done with it. All those things were fulfilled. We should not be looking to Israel for prophecy, but yet that is exactly what people are doing. I want to show you some of these websites. and This is Rapture Ready. Rapture Ready. Uh, obviously, they're very pre-trib, nearing midnight. And they're always talking about all these prophecies being fulfilled. All, it's funny, all these prophecies are being fulfilled, yet at the same time, they've got an imminency section here. But wait a minute, if prophecies are being fulfilled before the rapture comes, then that means the rapture couldn't come till those prophecies were fulfilled. So why, do we, why are we talking imminency? And, and notice here too, Israel watch. Israel watch. And then we've got another section here um, called... I'll go to the page, Bible Prophecy Conference, Israel, God's prophetic clock. What is that based off of? Well, a lot of it's based off Daniel's 70th week. Israel's God's prophetic clock. 
They, and what they, what a lot of people believe, and I'm assuming this is what they believe, is that the clock stopped with, uh, you know, the destruction, or you know, with Israel's rejection of the Messiah. And one of these days, God's going to go back to Israel, and then the clock's going to start again. And we're, and that's Daniel's 70th week. No, it already happened. Okay, it, it already happened. Israel is not God's prophetic clock. But that's what they say. And they have a whole conference where if you pay forty dollars. You can be you can be a part of that conference. Folks, that is a joke. Okay? And I don't know if these people are Baptists or anything like that. I'm not sure. But here's another website, uh, hopeofisrael.net. These people are Baptists. And very dispensational. Hope of Israel Baptist Mission. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And you know, let me just read this to you. Psalms 122.6, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. Peace be within thy walls and prosperity within thy palaces. Uh, by the way, their walls got broken down. Not one stone left upon another. For my brethren and companions' sakes, I will now say peace be within thee because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek thy good. That is why they prayed for the peace of Jerusalem. Because of the house of the Lord their God. Folks, is the house of the Lord there anymore? No, it is not. Our body is the temple of God. Now, listen, if you want to pray for Jerusalem, go ahead. But you know what? You know, I, I think you can pray for Chicago too. Pray that there's probably more violence in Chicago than there is in Israel right now. <laughs> I mean, or than in Jerusalem. I mean, pray, you know, pray for the peace of Rock Falls. Hey, you can pray for whoever you want, but stop trying to act like there's some special blessing if you're praying for the peace of Jerusalem. The house of the Lord is not there. The house of the Lord is not in Jerusalem. But yet these people, they are obsessed with Israel. Notice down here they have uh, poking God's eye. They've got an apple with the Israeli flag on it. I mean, uh, it's just absolutely ridiculous. I've read a lot of their articles and posts they've done on Facebook. Uh, very strange Jewish customs, trying to teach uh, you know more about you know the Jews, and uh, just being deceptive by a people who don't even know the Bible well enough to realize that Jesus is the Messiah. But yet we're going to try to learn from these people. We're going to try to understand the Bible better from these people. That doesn't make any sense at all, but that's what people are doing. Because people are, dispensationalists are obsessed with fake Israel. Okay, God was done. Israel was destroyed. The temple was destroyed. Now, I talked about this last week. One of the reasons we are in the mess that we are doctrinally, prophetically today is because of a generation that was bewitched because of the events of 1948. People don't even realize what happened in 1948. They don't realize it. Now, we're going to look and we're going to see exactly what happened in 1948. And I want us to compare it with everything that's ever happened with Israel historically. Think about Israel's history. Every major event with Israel in history, it was marked with miracles and the voices of prophets. And understand, none of that has happened in the last hundred years. None of that has happened. But what happened when they came out of Egypt? First off, you had the 10 plagues. You had the parting of the Red Sea for crying out loud. You had God feeding a man in the wilderness. You had one miracle after another. And then after they're done wandering in the wilderness, we have the parting of the Jordan River. Before they go into the promised land, we have God speaking by Moses and Joshua. We have God speaking through the prophets during these times. When they go into Babylonian captivity, 
Okay, first off, prophets spoke talking about that. When they came out, prophets spoke. God's word was given, letting them know what was going on. God spoke, telling people what had taken place. God would send his prophets. And then we have the final Old Testament prophet, you could say, John the Baptist, who announced the coming of the Messiah. And then you have Jesus, who, of course, did many miracles. Let me look at the miracles he did, and then did the greatest miracle when he rose from the dead after paying for the sins of the world. And then not only that, but Jesus also prophesied of the destruction of Jerusalem that was going to come on that generation. He prophesied it. But then even when you have the gospel uh, going to the Jews, to Jerusalem, on Pentecost, what do we see the apostles doing? Miracles. The apostles are speaking the word of the Lord. They're prophesying. They are, they're giving scripture during that time. And they're doing miracles. All that happened. But again, Israel rejected. As a, as a whole, Israel rejected. We see their conclusion in Acts chapter 28. And, and then the Bible doesn't record it. But then historically, shortly after that, they are destroyed. They are done. Okay? They're done. They're gone. Now, it would make sense if they were going to come back and become a thing again, that there would be some miracle, that there would be some voice of the prophets. But not only did the Bible not predict what people are claiming it predicts, because the prophecies people go to about the restoration of Israel were ones that were fulfilled during the Babylonian captivity. And if there is anything in the future, it's things that involve the resurrection. Okay? And that will be a miracle. Okay? When, when the resurrection happens, that's a miracle. Anything happens again with Israel, it's always going to be started by a miracle. We're going to have the voice of the prophets. And in the re- when the resurrection happens, I mean, Jesus Christ himself is going to show up. And we will know. We will know. But yet at the same time, dispensationalists today will talk to you about Israel, the Israel today, as if it's the Israel from the Bible that God destroyed. What makes this Israel the Israel of the Bible? What makes it the Israel of God? What makes it any of these things they claim? Where was the, What prophet told us this? Because we definitely don't have any scriptures that tell us that. And the budding of the fig tree in Matthew 24 was not it. Not even close. We have no, vo- we have no prophet telling us what's going on. We have no scripture telling us what's going on. We had no miracles. Okay? No miracles, ladies and gentlemen. People will just tell you it was a miracle in 1948, but it wasn't. What actually happened in 1948? Well, let's go ahead and read this article that explains uh, what happened in 1948 when Israel became a nation. So what actually happened in 1948? Well, let's look at this article. Notice what it says. In 1917, Heim Wiseman, scientist, statesperson, and supporter of the effort to establish a state of Israel, persuaded the British government to issue a statement favoring the establishment of a Jewish national home in Palestine. The statement, which became known as the Balfour Declaration, was in part payment to the Jewish people for their support of the British against the Turks during World War I. After the war, the League of Nations ratified the declaration and in 1922 appointed Britain to rule Palestine. Now, it really is astounding how little people know about the history, especially the recent history, of Israel. But um, Israel was under the rule of the Ottoman Empire, the Turkish government. They had control, but the British 
actually defeated them. And so the British during this time, they were the ones that had control of Jerusalem. And so uh, during this time, you know, the Jews got excited because they knew they had a lot more chance of finding favor with the British than they did with Arabs. And so, uh, you know, they, uh, they had helped out. And uh, let's go and read a little more, more of this article. Uh, let me switch it over to just that view. But look what it says. So it says, The course of events caused Jewish people to be optimistic about the eventual establishment of a homeland. Their optimism inspired immigration to Palestine from many countries, particularly from Germany, when Nazi persecution began. The arrival of many Jewish immigrants in the 1930s awakened Arab fears that Palestine would become a national Jewish homeland by 1936. Guerrilla fighting, or by 1936, guerrilla fighting had broken out between Jews and Arabs. Unable to maintain peace, Britain issued a white paper in 1939 that restricted Jewish immigration into Palestine. Jewish people, feeling betrayed, bitterly opposed the policy and looked to the United States for support. So Israel, again, they were they were a mess during this time, just because again, you know, the Jews and the Arabs have always been fighting, and Britain was just having none of it. Because there really is no reason to want that land and to want that area except for religious purposes. So the the Brits didn't really care. But I want you to notice that part that uh the Jewish immigration was one of the things that were helping make this possible. And so many Jews were coming to the land that that the Arabs were terrified and starting to fight because they're like, they're going to outnumber us and they're going to end up taking over. And so England banned Jewish immigration into the land. And obviously that upset the Jews a lot. But notice what inspired Jewish immigration. Because what people do not also do not understand about Jews is there is there are Zionist Jews, there are secular Jews, uh, there's religious Jews. There's a lot of different groups you could say, but the Zionist Jews are a very small minority. But this it was the Zionist movement that prompted all of these things. But the problem is most Jews don't care to go to Israel. They're usually fine living wherever they are living. So Zionists. Okay, and there's a lot of evidence of this, that a lot of anti-Semitism in the world throughout history, a lot of the persecution have Jews throughout history, that it's actually been Zionist Jews behind much of it. A lot of it's behind the scenes, and they'll use, they'll use guys like Hitler. They're usually funding both sides of the wars and things like that. But ultimately, they want Jewish persecution so they will have a reason to leave wherever wherever they are at and go back to their homeland. Because most just don't really care and don't want to go. But, of course, the Holocaust and what was going on then made a lot of Jews say, yeah, uh, you know, I'm gonna, I want to go to Israel where we'll be safe. So watch this. So while President Franklin D. Roosevelt appeared to be sympathetic to the Jewish cause, his assurance to the Arabs that the United States would not intervene without consulting both parties, caused public uncertainty about his position. When Harry S. Truman took office, he made clear that his sympathies were with the Jewish people and accepted the Balfour Declaration, explaining that it was in keeping with former 
President Woodrow Wilson's principle of self-determination. Truman initiated several studies of the Palestine situation that supported his belief that as a result of the Holocaust, Jewish people were oppressed and also in need of a homeland. Throughout the Roosevelt and Truman administrations, the Department of War and State recognized the possibility of a Soviet-Arab connection and the potential restriction on oil supplies from Arab nations to the United States advised against U.S. intervention. So again, we see how it was the Holocaust that caused the world to be sympathetic towards the Jews. And so Harry Truman, he did. He fully got behind them and supported that, uh, you know, the establishing of an Israeli state. But it was, uh, but um, the, it was persecution that did that. He recognized them as an oppressed people, and that's why they always have to be portrayed as a victim. And even in situations where there isn't anti-Semitism, they will tell you there's anti-Semitism. It literally makes the news today if somebody puts a swastika on a trash can. Okay, Now, I, I think that's terrible. Uh, we shouldn't be doing that. But that really, that makes the news. Swastika. Okay, I, I mean, boy... Um, you know, it's I I can handle an ugly symbol, you know, but uh, I mean, it's, it's not even physical persecution. And yet, it, I mean, it, it can be nas- stuff like that can be national news. I think that's ridiculous. I think that's hype. But why are they doing that? Because they're trying to get everyone's sympathies. So uh, let's go ahead and read the rest of this. So Britain and the United States in a joint effort. Uh, to examine uh, the dilemma, established the Anglo-American Committee of Inquiry. In April 1946, the, the committee submitted recommendations that the Palestine not be dominated by either Arabs or Jews. Um, it, it, it concluded that attempts to establish nationhood or independence would result in civil strife. That a trusteeship agreement aimed at bringing the two peoples together should be established by the United Nations that full Jewish immigration be allowed into Palestine and that two autonomous states be established with a strong central government to control Jerusalem, Bethlehem, and the Negev, the southernmost section of Palestine. British, Arab, and Jewish reactions to the recommendations were not favorable. Britain, anxious to rid itself of the problem, set the United Nations in motions, motion formally requesting on April 2, 1947, that the UN General Assembly set up the special committee on Palestine. This committee recommended that the British mandate over Palestine be ended and that the territory be partitioned into two states. Jewish reaction was mixed. Some wanted control of all Palestine. Others realized that partition spelled hope for their dream of a homeland. Palestinian Arab leaders and other Arab nations were not at all agreeable to the UNSCOP plan. In October, the the League of Arab States directed the governments of its member states to move troops to the Palestine border. Meanwhile, President Truman instructed the State Department to support the UN plan and reluctantly did so. On November 29, 1947, the partition plan was passed by the UN General Assembly. At midnight on May 14, 1948, the Provisional Government of Israel proclaimed a new state of Israel. On that same day, the United States, in the person of President Truman, recognized Provisional Jewish Government as de facto authority of the Jewish state. 
the U.S. delegates to the U.N. and top-ranking State Department officials were angered that Truman released this recognition statement to the press without notifying them first. On May 19, 15, 1948, the first day of Israeli independence, and exactly one year after UNSCOP was established, Arab armies invaded Israel in the Arab-Israeli War of 1948 began. All right, so, folks, first off, where was the miracle? There was no miracle. The Israelis weren't even really happy about it. All that happened was, you know, because of time, there was enough Jews got in there that the UN recognized two states. So again, there's like two states living together over there. This is not even close to anything like what we see in the Bible when anything happened. There was no miracles, no voice of the prophets. And here's the other thing people don't realize too. When 1948 happened and that Arab-Israeli war began, Israel actually lost, the Jews actually lost certain access that they had in Jerusalem. They lost the Wailing Wall during that time. For several years, they weren't even able to go to the Wailing Wall because they they actually lost ground in Jerusalem. It wasn't until the Six-Day War, and there were no miracles in the Six-Day War. One of these days, we'll talk about the Six-Day War. Not going to talk about that now. No miracles. They are lying to you when they tell you there's a miracle. There are no miracles. People just say it. They don't even tell you what the miracle was. But it was in the Six-Day War, they ended up conquering the old city. They conquered the Christian quarters. They conquered the Jewish quarters. They even conquered the Temple Mount. But then the UN basically made them give it back. You know, they, there's a famous, the Temple Mount is in our hands. They had it for like a day, but then they had to give it back. Now, they still claim control, but in reality, they just, they let the Jordanians manage it, police it. But they're allowed to go up there if they feel the need to. So, the and then, uh, but it was after the Six-Day War, though, they claimed the Jewish quarters again. They got the Wailing Wall back. And so basically, the situation that we're seeing today it's been the same since 1967, and no one's happy. The Arabs aren't happy. The Jews aren't happy. Nobody, nobody's happy with the situation. It's just some things changed politically in 1948, and slowly what they've been doing over the last several decades is trying to get Jews into the land, and it's it's happening, not near as fast as they would like, but it is happening and they're gaining more and more territory. Because you can't, too, just claim territory. You have to be using it. And so they need people living there. And so they are getting that done slowly but surely. And they're gaining support in the world slowly but surely. They're getting more of the world to recognize them. Donald Trump recognized Jerusalem as the capital uh, <clears throat> a few years ago. And people made a big deal about that. wasn't that big of a deal. But anything that they can do to get the world thinking they're in charge. The land belongs to them. It's a victory for them. But this is this is a antichrist Zionist movement that is not of God. There ha- it does not even resemble anything that ever happened in the past with them as a nation. It's fake. It's not real and it's deceptive and it's got everyone looking at Israel and it's even has Christians supporting them. That is wrong. There's no reason for us to be supporting Israel. And it all comes down to a misinterpretation of Daniel's 70th week. People have it in their head. God stopped the clock after this, you know, they rejected the Messiah. But one of these days, he's going to start it back up again and he's going to do a work 
in Israel. No, all of those things have already been fulfilled. The revival of Israel already happened. But understand what they didn't know before that God revealed, that Paul figured out, that the nation, the, the physical nation was the vessels of wrath fitted for destruction. It was raised up for destruction and it was destroyed and it's not coming back. If, it, if Israel is coming back at all, it will come back in the resurrection with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It will come back with those who are of faith. It will come back when Jesus returns. And when Jesus returns, you better believe there'll be, that's a, there'll be a miracle associated with that when you have the resurrection of the dead take place. You know, the voice of a prophet, uh, we will have the voice of Jesus Christ. Okay, When Israel comes back, we will know because Jesus will be there, because people of faith will be there. Abraham will be there. What has happened? It, what happened in 1948 was nothing but uh, a Zionist, Antichrist deception, and people need to stop falling for it. But with the help of Schofield, Larkin, Darby, and uh, an idea that Daniel's 70th week is still to come, people are falling for it. And so I do. I think it's a very uh, misleading teaching. It's very dangerous. You don't want to get that wrong. And so hopefully this was a help. So uh, this is all we have time for today. But again, send in your questions and we will address them tomorrow live at noon only on YouTube. So thank you for watching this. We'll see you tomorrow.